Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Last night... Darth Vader came down from planet Vulcan and told me if I didn't take Lorraine out that he'd melt my brain. <laughs> you got uh, that one, right? Uh, uh, that one I got. Okay, good. Hey. Right, we're going to start the Be nice. <laughs> get your No, never mind. Uh we're going to we're going to start this off with a little Facebook feedback. <laughs> this comes from Kevin who says, "Podcast idea. Who is John Titor?" The time traveler from 2036 who posted on discussion boards back in 2000. Would love to hear you guys talk about him slash hoax slash time traveler. Well, Kevin, you're going to get your wish. But before we get to John, let's talk about about some other uh, time traveling stories that hit the Internet over. Uh, actually, the ones I'm talking about hit recently. Yeah, I think that's why. uh why John has been in the news or on people's minds lately is because of these other stories that have been in the news. Yeah, so there's a um there's a website called Virtual Museum. And yes, Virtual Museum has a photo 
up of the reopening of the South Fork Bridge after flood in November 1940. Mm-hmm. Now, in this photo, you see a whole bunch of typical 1940s style folks, mostly in, you know, like the men are all in suits and the women are all in uh, dresses and they're all looking off to the opening of the bridge, the reopening of the bridge. Right. Right in the, uh, toward the back of the group in the middle, is a fellow who does not look like he belongs with everybody else. So wait, 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 wait. Does he have uh, a red and white striped shirt and a hat with a... It is not Waldo. Um, I keep looking for that guy and I never found him. He looks more more like a a racer head than Waldo. No, he has has medium to longish hair, but it's not like down, you know, it's not worn down. It's actually sticking up a bit. Mm -hmm. And he's got these sunglasses on that have these weird... uh, uh, side panels on them, and he looks like he's wearing a sweater over a silk-screened T-shirt. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, so it looks like you know he's he's dressed down, and his hairstyle's a little funky for the time period, and um, he just he doesn't look like he fits. Well, there were some people who said, "Is this is this a time traveler, or was it photoshopped in? It had to be photoshopped in, right? It had to be." Uh, Upon closer examination, it did not look like it had been photoshopped in. It looked like this guy literally was there at that time. However, upon even further examination, it was discovered this wasn't really a mystery. That the the elements that that people identified as being from out of that time mm-hmm. were not actually uh, anachronisms. Ah. Uh, the glasses, for example, were these these hinged glasses that had uh, these little side panels on them, sunglasses, that uh, had been around since the 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was obviously holding a camera as well, and it looked like it was a period camera, like one, a camera that would have been around in 1940. Mm-hmm. The sweater was not really a, a out of place. And even the shirt, upon closer examination, looked like one of the kind of handmade shirts that uh, that people made at the time to for various sports teams, like a, a college sports team or a high school sports team. Mm-hmm. So upon further discussion, it appears that this guy was just, you know, he's just a guy of his time. It's just he was not dressed up like everyone else. Right. He was more of a student slash artist kind of type. Hippie. And, uh, yeah, well, before hippies. But right. yes, yes, the, the precursor to the hippie. I'm being silly. So clearly I would have hated this person. But oh. the... um. Yeah, hippies and hipsters, man. Don't get me started. Anyway, so uh, the, uh, the in fact, I had a friend who who suggested that the camera was a Brownie Special One Twenty Seven. Really? Yeah, it's kind of crazy that someone was able to identify that just by this. And the picture does not show the guy holding the camera prominently. He's actually it's got it's right around his stomach level. Oh, okay. So it's just barely in frame. But um, she picked that out pretty quickly. Way to go, Rivka. So um. Yeah, it's it's it, that was a, one of those moments where there were enough things in the picture that looked a little weird to make people say, "Oh, this has got to be uh this can't be from that time." But it just really shows that we're we're far enough out of that time era to not be able to see what does and doesn't belong. Right, right. That's funny too because uh it wasn't but a few days ago as of the date we are recording this in early November. Um when uh, Charlie Chaplin was accused of capturing a time traveler on film. Yeah, it's just the sort of thing that little jerk would have done. <laughs> That's why I like you, Buster Keaton. You never would pull those shenanigans. 
questions. I really don't know how to react to that. <laughs> I was just being goofy. Uh, yeah, I know, but yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it, it is from the circus. Uh, it was drawn to our attention by Irish filmmaker George Clark. Yes, uh, it's important to note this is a filmmaker who's making this big. A filmmaker. Yeah, his uh, and in the YouTube video, he he uploaded a YouTube video. What happened was supposedly um, George. As yes. I like to call him, because uh, you guys are on the same, you know, the first name basis there. Clearly, I mean, he's an Irishman. I, I, I've seen Ireland <laughs> as I flew over it to England. Um, so anyway, George, uh, George, and uh, he, he bought the these uh, coll- this collection of Charlie Chaplin movies. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's a fan. Yeah, brought him home. Started watching the extras on the uh, the various DVDs, mm-hmm. and one of them had a newsreel. From 1928. Yes, the premiere of the circus. Yes, and uh, during this newsreel, the, the circus. Yes, yes, the newsreel was showing the the um, the grand premiere at yes. Man's Chinese Theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, as part of this newsreel, there's a, a moment where a fellow walks into frame, followed closely by a woman, uh, a, you know, kind of a a large-ish woman. Yes. In a big coat and a top hat walking behind the fellow and she has her her hand that's facing the ca- you know she's she's walking in profile to the camera essentially. Right. Her the hand, hand that you can see. Yeah, the hand that you can see is held up to her face as if it's holding something like perhaps a phone. Mm-hmm. But a cell phone in 1928 that doesn't sound right. So clearly the answer must be she was a time traveler. Right. At least that's the answer. George came to, and he said, it's the only one that makes sense, except he didn't say it like that because he was Irish. Um, um, yes. <laughs> he said he show, uh, showed it to a, a crowd of about 100 people, and none of them could come to any other conclusion. Yeah. They didn't know. They couldn't clearly, explain it. Clearly, it was 100 people who were smashed on Guinness, because I could think of a couple of different reasons off the top of my head. Uh, he actually did um, He did the uh, the typical television uh, uh, thing that you do whenever you have any footage. The expose. Zoom in and enhance. Yes. Zoom in and enhance. <laughs> so he zoomed in uh, to try and get a look and see what was going on here. And it it kind of looks like she's holding something in her hand, but it's, I don't think it's really that obvious. It's It could simply be that she was literally scratching the side of her face. It does look at the end of the little clip, just as she goes out of frame, that she's saying something. or Her, her mouth at least is moving. Yes, yes. Now, uh, there have been, of course, many attempts now to explain what's going on. Right. Uh, part of them, uh, it, part of it has to do with the fact that she, she, or uh, as Mr. Clark suggests, it could be a, a man wearing woman's clothes. Um, whoever the person is, is, is actually speaking, which so confuses now, the matter even more. Hang on. So it's a cross-dressing time traveler? It's apparently, that's... Is it Frankenfurter? Because <laughs> he, he could travel stop. through space and time. Let's stop. Um, possibly. Okay. But okay. Uh, so the first explanation and uh, one of the more plausible ones that I've seen is that it's a compact hand trumpet. Now, of course, uh, lots of us, uh, even our younger listeners have probably seen the hand trumpets that people used to use before there were electrical hearing aids. Um, and these would have been used toward the end of the 19th century, early part of the 20th century. And, um, it is entirely possible, uh, actually the, the article I saw it, that tried to explain that was uh, from uh, Jeremy Sue, who wrote for Live Science. 
Um, and he spoke with a with a historian named Philip uh, Skroska, who was an archivist at the uh, Bernard Becker Medical Library at Washington University in St. Louis, or as those of us in competing schools call him, Wash U. Very nice. good, very good school. Um, but uh, basically, you know, we're used to. I, I'm used to thinking of the ones that uh, they used to see in pictures like Beethoven, where it's a giant. It looks like a you're holding the side of a gramophone up to your head. Right, right. You know that. Uh, you're thinking of Pete's Dragon, where where right. uh, the character holds the big ear trumpet. Hey. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But uh, and basically, it was like a, it was like a funnel that you'd hold up to your ear, so maybe you could hear a little bit better. And I think it did. You know, it it had some effect. Sure. Um, no, no, it works. But uh, but uh, apparently there were compact models, and some people think that it may have been a very small version. And really, as a couple commenters I saw online put it, you wouldn't want to carry one of these big things around with you while you're walking. You'd want something that's small and light and portable. So that is a possible explanation. Well, and four years before that premiere, mm-hmm. in 1924, Siemens yes. produced the uh, a, a handheld hearing aid. Essentially, is what it was, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they weren't the uh, in-ear models that you see now, which are all but invisible. Yeah, it was. Uh, a, it was actually. It was a microphone amplifier, and mm-hmm. you held the amplifier side to your ear. The microphone side would stay out facing the world, and that's you know you would hold it to your ear yes. like the way we do with cell phones, yeah. and they were about the same size as cell phones are today. Mm-hmm. So it could, and, and like I said, four years earlier, those had been introduced. Now they were expensive, but this is a lady who's attending a film premiere. Yes. In Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So clearly this is someone who has at least some means, right? Not necessarily just, I mean, not someone just walking on the street. She's dressed up. She's ready to go to the theater. Um, so it could very easily be someone who has one of these hearing aids and she may be talking in a way of testing it. Yes. You know, trying to make sure that it's working like, hello, hello, to make sure that she can hear before she interacts with anyone else. Or she's yammering to herself, which I do frequently. So Right. Or it, as one other person I saw pointed out, says it could be as simple as the fact that her jaw ached. Yeah. And she was moving her jaw and she had her hand up to her face and nothing was in the hand because... George says that there's, there's clearly something that's black inside her hand. Um, I don't see that quite as clearly as George does. Um, I, I mean, and I was trying to be as objective as possible because as soon as someone tells you that something is in a picture, it's really hard to not see it. Yeah, somebody was trying to uh, to sh- show where the, the uh, part of the ear trumpet would be where you put it in your ear canal and going, I just don't see that in yeah. there. Yeah, same um, sort of thing where someone shows you a picture and they say, do you see the face that's in here? And you're like, uh... And then they point out the face and then you're like, oh, there it is. And then you can not, never not see you it. You can't unsee right. it. Right. But if they were just to show you that picture and say, do you see anything in here? And you might look for a while and say, no, I don't see anything in there. There's nothing here. Um, well, so it could have been a, a, a hearing aid. Mm-hmm. could have been nothing at all. could have been a little ear trumpet of some sort. Um, I like my favorite part of the video, by the way, is when George says specifically, it's not an AM FM radio because it's 1928. Oh, well, that makes sense. Clearly, it has to be a cell phone because it's <laughs> 1928. It's the same thing. And and how does she get reception in 1928 with a cell phone when there are no cell phone towers? Yeah, that that is the biggest argument I've seen against <laughs> it. The, uh, the There's some interdimensional 
temporal cell phone tower that she's connecting to. I'm I'm sure you've seen the the uh, uh, people who want to hold on to this their argument to that. If they've are a society that has invented something as sophisticated as a time machine, surely they could invent something with an antenna for cell phone communication that they would stick on the outside of the time machine. Okay, I wonder if these people have ever heard of something <laughs> called Occam's razor. <laughs> what makes more sense that this lady exists in that time frame? That's exactly when she's supposed to exist because that's you know she was born during that era. And she's walking down the street holding a an object that had been built four years before, was known to exist. Is it more likely that that's the answer or that there was somehow someone developed time travel, traveled back in time, used this cell phone, and was not smart enough to stay out of the range of a camera? It's not like the camera was even secret. They were filming the premiere. Why? Like, Why? if I'm a time traveler. Yeah. And I go back to an era that exists before cell phones. Mm-hmm. I'm not whipping the cell phone out at a very public event where there are cameras around. Yeah. And that leads me to my favorite of the debunking attempts. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, some video producers will put things into footage in order to make them like a, 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 non, uh, a non-obvious watermark. So what, sort of the way that maps will sometimes include a street that doesn't actually exist in order to prove that it's their IP. Yes. So what uh, what some people have suggested, and very few people, I might add, uh, was that this is literally an anomaly. It's supposed to make you notice it so that if somebody else copies the video, uh, you remember our privacy, our privacy, piracy, we've had both, our piracy broadcast. If you're copying DVDs, they can say, yes, you took this. Because, see, this anomalous person carrying a cell phone in 1928 was something that I added and made black and white. I would think that just the fact that they showed the same video proves that they copied it because they had to get it from somewhere. Well, yeah. That argument makes no sense to me. I I just like that argument. I'm like, well, that would Debunkers, you could do so much better. You have disappointed (laughs) me. Go to your rooms. No, most most people seem to be going with the uh, Siemens hearing aid thing. Yeah. So let's go on to... uh, John Titor. Yes. Or yes. Titor. It's T-I-T-O-R. I never really was clear on exactly how you're supposed to pronounce that name. Well, apparently it's not his real name, and I, I say is because... <laughs> apparently? Wow. Because he's, he theoretically exists now. He lives in Florida, right? Well, he existed then. He was two years old. No, okay, let's, let's start at the beginning. Okay. November 2nd, 2000. There was a, uh, a web forum called the Time Travel Institute... Yes. And a uh, a person who referred to himself or herself, possibly, as time travel underscore zero posted, started to post on this forum. And then uh, later, time travel underscore zero became John Titor or Titor, or however you're supposed to pronounce that. JT. JT. JT said eventually that he had traveled from the year 2036 mm-hmm. back in time. This was actually technically his second stop. His first stop was back in 1976, I want to say. Um, 1975, sorry. It was 1975. And uh, the reason why he was traveling back in time was in 2036, they realized they were really close to a uh, a big event that was going to be a huge problem for their computer systems. Mm-hmm. That's, of course, talking about 2038, yes. which is going to be an issue with Unix. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, we actually talked about that in a previous episode. Yes, we did. We don't need to go into that again. But at any rate, uh, apparently at, at, by 2036, the technology was lost to interface with these uh, systems and to correct the problem mm-hmm. that uh, existed. So he was sent back in time to 1975 to get an uh, IBM 5100 computer. Right. Because that would allow him to go back to his uh, original time of 2036 and use that computer to fix the problem so that by 2038, everything would run smoothly. Yes. Apparently, the the IBM 5100 had some functions that weren't included in the original documentation for the machine, but had some bearing on what it is that he needed to solve. Yeah. uh, In fact, some of that is what uh, uh, people who believe that JT really did come from the future say, well, I mean, how would he know that the 5100 could do these things if he weren't from the future and hadn't discovered it? And the answer to that is actually that information was readily available. It just wasn't in the manual. Mm -hmm. But but computer engineers knew all about it. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was a documented thing. Right. It actually does exist. Yes. Yes. The, the, The computer that JT was supposedly going back in time to retrieve did exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a real thing. And it could do the things JT said it could do. Uh, it, the the part where the argument breaks down is some people said that those were secret and therefore JT must have been telling the truth. But that's not the case. Those, those features were not secret. They just weren't widely known outside of computer science uh, circles. Right. So that just means that JT could be a computer scientist. Well, now what JT said he really was was a... Uh, he was an officer in the army or a soldier in the army who had been part of this sort of time travel corps. And, uh, I think there were eight or seven people, other people besides him in his time travel unit. And each of the, the members had a time travel device machine Mm -hmm. that would allow them to go to different points of time. And they each had their own assignments. His assignment was to go back and get this computer. And he pointed out that he could spend as much time as he wanted to in the past because when he would go back to his present, it would appear as if he had only been gone for a couple of seconds. Right. Right? Like the machine would disappear and then it would immediately reappear as if no time at all had had taken place. But in reality, he had spent maybe years away. So really the only indication would be his apparent age once he stepped out of the uh, time travel machine, which, by the way, was was a car that had the time travel actual device uh, installed in it. It had to be a car that had a really heavy um, suspension so that it could handle a lot of weight. It happened to be a 1967 Chevrolet Corvette. If you're going to travel, man, do it in style. Wasn't yeah, a DeLorean, I, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I've heard this one before. It was a convertible, too. It wasn't just a Chevrolet Corvette. It was a convertible. Hmm. And... Um, he said that the way this time travel device worked was by manipulating gravity and that it would actually create two micro singularities, which are essentially like black holes. Yes. So two miniature black holes it would spin them around and it would alter gravity and that uh, through creating this gravity lock system, it could travel through time. And in subsequent messages, because... JT, he he wrote stuff from late 2000 to early 2001. Yeah, he actually held court for a while. He was answering people's questions about time travel and what the future was like and how easy it is to time travel. And that's how we know so much about this. It's not like we found him somewhere and... Yeah, there there are uh, there are websites out there that will list all of his posts chronologically. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, so you can actually read the whole story, and it is, I mean, it's long. Yeah, there, it is. he was prolific with his with his uh, uh, forum posts, and uh, that goes that goes against what you were saying about the person holding the cell phone in the Charlie Chaplin video. I mean, if it, I agree with you, if I were in possession of some future technology and trying to pass as somebody who belonged here, I wouldn't want to flaunt this. And he's yeah. going not not even, you know, just casually using this, you know, future technology in a public place and, and trying to be ignored. Uh, he's actually flaunting it. It's like, this is what I got here. Our yeah. pictures. And and that raises a lot of questions right there. Like, people were asking him, doesn't this make you worried that when you go back, you're going to get in trouble because you revealed yourself? And he's like, why would I get in trouble? And he wouldn't answer the question. Right. <laughs> there were certain questions that JT was very good at evading, and that was one of them. Mm-hmm. He would never directly answer that. He was just like, why would they be mad? Oh, I don't know. The fact that you revealed <laughs> all this information and, you know, he, and there were also times where he would suggest that, like, he was, his message was really weird in that sometimes he was talking about things like in a hope of preventing tragedy, he wanted to express certain information. But right. but in a, another post, just a little further down, he'd say, yeah, there's no way to alter the future. So yeah. you have these contradictory statements saying like, oh, I, I want to try and head off this this huge disaster that's coming. And boy, you guys are going to be sorry when it happens. And then he'd say, oh, you know, there's no way to really avoid it because time is not elastic like that. Right. Well, I, I understand that he was a uh, now I I admit I had never heard of of uh, JT before um, this particular episode. But, um you know, I understand, though, that he was a believer in the many worlds theory. Yeah, the Everett Wheeler Graham multiple world theory of mm-hmm. quantum physics. Now, this theory in general is you've probably heard about parallel dimensions. Yes. That's essentially what this theory states, is that there are an infinite number of parallel dimensions. Right. And that uh, uh, some of these dimensions are almost almost identical to our own. Right. Like the, the differences between the two are very tiny. And then, of course, the further away you get, the greater the differences are. Right. So, you know, you could say like, oh, well, you know, you go five degrees of separation and the South won the Civil War. Right. You go 10 degrees of separation and uh, humans never evolved. You right. know, and then you go 20 and then Earth never even happened. Like uh, that that's a very simple way of putting this. It's, right. You know, right. And he actually said that he did not travel back to his own time period of 2000. He traveled back to a parallel time period of 2000. Um, and this was another thing that I found really confusing. He said that he could travel, uh, you know, using the gravity thing, they would, they would try and determine uh, the temporal divergence is what he called it. Mm-hmm. Temporal divergence being like how far away from his world line, he didn't use timeline, he called world line, um, how far away he would venture Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, try to keep it between one or two percent, and that you would be similar enough to your own timeline that things would be familiar to you, and you could interact, and you you know nothing would take you by surprise necessarily. Like there'll be minor differences, like someone might have won the World Series in one reality, and it would have been the opposing team in another reality, right? Or maybe it was the same team but it had a totally different name and whatever. Or maybe it was a nice way to pass off. You know, making predictions that don't come true. 
that's that was one of the things that really bugged me because it was one of those he wanted to be able to have have it both ways, right? He wanted to be able to say, "Hey, this is what's going to happen to you guys." Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm telling you, this is going to happen. In 2005, this was one of his predictions. In 2005, the United States is going to erupt in civil war, which will eventually pull the rest of the world into a conflict, and ultimately this would result in a nuclear uh nuclear bomb exchange of, of, you know, firing them at each other uh, between Russia and the United States and other parts of the world. And then you would have this new United States that would be five separated into five major regions. Right. And that was his reality, was that in 2036 there were these five major regions. Most of the other world is pretty much wiped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Europe is gone and China's gone and uh, Russia supposedly is, is hurt really bad. And that the entire social structure has changed dramatically because of that, as you would imagine it would. Right. Um, and he would, he was saying like, this stuff is going to happen to you, but that's, you know, he also would say like, Oh, well I can't tell you who's going to win the world series. Cause you know, it might be different from when, uh, when it happened in my world line, it's not gonna be the same for yours. Says, well, right. how, how can you determine which events are definitely going to happen and which events are not going to necessarily happen the way you remember them from your world line. There was never any differentiation between those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were other problems as well. Um, for one, in 2005, we did not erupt into civil war. Yeah. So that suggested that claim was rather inaccurate, I yes. would say, mm-hmm. at least. Um, he didn't predict anything. Like, you would think, all right, it's 2000 when he appeared, and he disappeared by March 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, and actually wrote a farewell post uh, in in March of 2001. There was another major event in the United States that happened in 2001. Yes, the the World Trade Center uh, tragedy, mm-hmm. the terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. He never mentioned that at all. And you would think right. like this was something that really shook America up. Yes, and to some extent the rest of the world as well, but really America. Mm-hmm. No mention of that at all. In his posts, you would think that that would be, you know, even even a vague mention saying there's going to be a terrorist attack that happens this year that's going to, you know, that would be the thing like that's going to be the domino effect that will set the rest of these things in motion. But he didn't say that. Right. Right. He did, so he did say some other things that did eventually come true, though, such as like uh, CERN. Yeah, yeah, he was only off by about nine years on that one. Yes, but they did imagine they did manage to, <laughs> to do that. He said that the CERN facility, which by that I assume he meant the Large Hadron Collider, mm-hmm. would go online in two thousand one. As you know, that was a little uh, optimistic. CERN's LHC did not go online until really it started going online around two thousand nine, and then kind of kicked into gear in two thousand ten once birds stopped dropping bread into it. I was going to say if it weren't for that bird, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the last Olympics being in 2004. Yeah. That, he was wrong about that one. That was wrong. Now there's one statement that a lot of people point to as saying like, oh, well this is, what about this? What about mad cow disease? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that JT said was that he was scared of eating in the current time frame. Yeah. Because he knew that there were, um, the, the, the way that ranchers were raising cattle and, where we were getting food and all that were from unsafe sources, and he didn't trust them. And he thought that uh, people were crazy for um, for eating uh, the food, you know, without question. 
Right. And he was saying that uh, it was going to lead to this outbreak of, um, of what essentially ends up being mad cow disease, mm-hmm. uh, which happens, of course, you know, you may have heard about it when um, animals are fed feed that contain the dead of their own species. Yeah. Like that can, that's one way that gets transferred or transmitted. And then uh, you can catch it that way by eating tainted food. Um, and he talked about that a lot. And, uh, and so people said, well, you know, later on, the mad cow outbreak actually happened. You know, it actually happened while he was still posting. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't that proof that he at least had some form of uh, uh, being able to, you know, to, to see into the future? Not exactly. Um, the, the disease he was specifically talking about was uh, Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease, mm-hmm. or CJD. And it was already well known by 2000. In fact, it was first uh, identified, or it was first um, observed in 1984. It was accepted as a new disease in 1986. Uh, uh, when I say accepted, I'm talking specifically about mad cow disease, which is a, a kind of a variant on CJD. CJD we knew about well before 1984. Mm-hmm. So any, anyway, by 1986, we knew about mad cow disease. That's not what we called it necessarily. Right. And it was called a VCJD, which is a variant of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Right. So in other words, this was not a secret. It's not like he was giving us information that we didn't already have access to. He was saying that it was more important than what people believed, and then it turned out that he was right. Mm-hmm. But we already, we you know, we had already known about this for almost two decades. Mm-hmm. So I don't really consider that <laughs> great evidence to support that JT was actually from the future. Yeah, there there's more evidence to the contrary than there is for him, I fear. Yeah, the the there people would have like very serious questions about the time travel techniques that he talked about cuz mm-hmm. some of it was based upon theoretical physics. Yes. And uh and so there there are theoretical uh, physicists out there. Actually there the physicists are real. <laughs> But they the science the science is, is theoretical. theoretical. So, <laughs> so there are these these physicists out there who do think that there may be a way of being, creating these shortcuts through time or between dimensions or whatever, using similar methods to what JT was saying. But when people would ask specifics, he would say, "I'm not a physicist, so I can't really answer that question." Which was weird because he could answer some physics questions. In yeah. detail, mm-hmm. and you think, "Wow, that's remarkable!" Because he said that he was he grew up in uh, Central Florida, mm-hmm. um, that he had essentially joined the army by age fourteen. Yeah, that he was either homeschooled or went to some university that had been turned into a fort in Florida. Mm-hmm. So you wonder, where did you learn the basics of the physics stuff you're talking about here? That that are, I mean, these are complicated quantum physics uh, uh, concepts. Yeah. And yet you, you know, you can answer some of them very well and the others you can't answer at all. It's kind of strange. It is. And I also wondered how could he, if, if when you're traveling through time and it's all dependent upon gravity and you can only get the percentage to around one or 2% that you're going to go to, um, a, a, or you're, or you're going to a dimension that's going to be only one or 2% degrees difference from your own. Mm-hmm. How do you get back? Like how do you how do you travel back so that you're back in in what is legitimately your own world line? Yeah, he he wasn't very good at answering that. Also, another question I had was, if uh, 
if it's using gravity, like supposedly the device was measuring gravity around it, mm-hmm. traveling through time but not space. Right. Right. Yeah. They, that's the difference in the DeLorean and the Corvette in this case. The Corvette is basically just a shell. It's something for him to sit in. Well, he the, doesn't drive, well, the, and it happens. Well, the DeLorean also would travel through time, but not space. It's just that uh, I mean, it, it is traveling through space, but it's not. It's not like you could travel in time from California and then appear in Paris. Right. Right. right you would right, go right, from right. California to California. It would just be a different time period. That'd be Same, more like the TARDIS. Right. Right. Yes, the TARDIS can, yes, Doctor Who's TARDIS can travel through both time and space. This thing could supposedly travel only through time, not space. So the question people had was, wait a minute, how is that even possible? Because the Earth isn't going to be where it was when you traveled. Like, you hit start, and you're traveling back 30 years. Mm -hmm. Well, the Earth has is not in the same position as it was, you know, when you left. So you would be appearing in the middle of space. Right. Nothing, nothing there. If if it doesn't travel through space and only travels through time, and he said that's a great question. Bye. <laughs> so it would have been really good to get involved in that discussion. Gotta go. <laughs> that was you know. Oh. Anyway, so my my vote is that JT was a hoax. That the person who was perpetuating the hoax did know uh, at least you know had a ground interest in quantum physics. Mm-hmm. More than a ground interest in computer science, I would say that the person who posted this probably was a computer scientist. Yeah, um, and that they also had some social commentary that this person probably legitimately believed in. Mm-hmm. And this was this was like things like you guys got to be more vigilant about protecting the Constitution. Don't eat meat. That's you know, be careful about the where your food comes from. Right, right. And like the warnings he were ge- that he gave were um, good warnings. It's just that everything was fabricated. Right, right. And like I said, the big predictions haven't panned out, which kind of proves that. Now, you could argue, well, in his parallel time, they did pan out that way. But I, that then you're just using an unfalsifiable argument, which is ridiculous. You can't – that's not a debate. Mm-hmm. That's just a way of making me go crazy. Well, you'll enjoy this then. Oh, good. Uh, I – uh read an article on, uh, of all places, Tor.com, which is really awesome for science fiction and fantasy. By the mm-hmm. way, uh, many of you probably know that he is, a, or the website is uh, the site for a, a major science fiction fantasy publisher. Actually, science fiction and fantasy. Yeah, anyway. Um, speculative fiction publisher. There, you go. there we go. I was trying to remember if they do both or if they split between Tor and Forge. Anyway, uh, uh, Pablo Defendini wrote a blog post in 2008 basically saying, hey, the Olympics are over. Guess he was wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was the, the basic gist of it. But, I mean, that that really, no, that's how he got started and uh, went into a lot of things, including uh, he mentioned Mike Lynch. Did you hear his I, name? I haven't come across Mike Lynch. He's a private investigator. Uh, an Italian TV show hired him. Uh, I think I did read about this it. a little bit. And they uh, found the name of uh, uh, a, a lawyer named Larry Haber, uh, and who has a brother. Who has a brother, John Rick Haber, uh, who is a computer expert. Yes. And basically, uh, they came to the conclusion, or at least suggested, that uh, these two, the, the Haber brothers, may have actually come up with this as a hoax. Um, basically, uh, um, possibly as a means for uh, an entertainment deal 
of some kind, because there have been uh, subsequent uh, books and things about JT. And somebody pointed out that uh, uh, Larry Haber lives in Celebration, Florida, which is a Disney community. Yeah. I think that's probably coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) But it's another thing that... I hear that Walt Disney is frozen underneath his house. Right. And they're going to revive him? And he'll be healthy? No, he's just... He's oh, he's there. just frozen. Yeah. Okay. It's, I suppose that's possible. I don't think that's true either. <laughs> no, it's not true. Um, you know, that was based a, that on was a complete lie. The factual stuff I've read, but yes. you know, I wasn't there to witness it, so I can't confirm that. No. Um, so they uh, this this private investigator concluded that uh, the whole thing was made up by these guys, but uh, there's still this this thing keeps going around the internet as these things are wont to do yeah and there're more i mean i saw one today about a guy who uh supposedly encountered his 70 year old self mm-hmm. like a, a guy in his in his 30s while he was fixing the sink of all things uh ended up meeting his 70 year old version of himself and then they took a video using the guy's cell phone and in the video, you see these two guys, these two bald guys standing out, a Swedish fellow, uh, standing out in the field. The sun is behind them, mm-hmm. so the light source is behind them, so you can't see, make out details really well. And both of them show their their uh, right arms, and they have uh, identical tattoos. I did It immediately raised questions for me. Mm-hmm. Light source is behind them, so you can't make out details very well. That suggests that this might not be on the up and up. I mean, why put the light source behind you if you want to get proof of this? Right. Uh, the tattoo on the older guy's arm, the 70-year-old version, looked just as fresh, if not fresher, than the young guy's <laughs> tattoo. Also raises some... Uh, I happen to have a pair of tattoos, folks, and I can tell you... Over time, they fade. And I don't imagine a 70-year-old going out and saying, you know what? I need to get my ink refreshed. <laughs> um, so I'm just saying that these time travel jokes and hoaxes and things are probably going to keep on going as people find more and more clever ways of incorporating them. And, of course, things like photo editing software and video editing software are getting cheaper and easier to use every year. So I would not be surprised to see some incredibly convincing yet still completely fictional time travel stories in the in the future on the web yeah um in even the future <laughs> even though uh einstein's theory of relativity does not rule out time travel apparently no not that i understand it very very well um but uh uh from what i understand the the physics behind uh jt's machine are unlikely to work well just the whole manipulating gravity thing at the very beginning makes it difficult to... Well, I said the energy it would take to make that work would be at least At least two 1967 Chevrolet Corvettes. <laughs> um, actually, what I saw was and 1966. And a Mr. Fusion. Yeah, and a Mr. Fusion. Um, but uh, the other thing is that apparently it's considered that a time machine cannot travel past the date of its own creation. So if it was actually built in, in 2034... One, theoretically, one wonders if the parallel universe thing makes up for that, though. Because that's why he said the grandfather father paradox didn't apply. It was ah. because he was not in his own timeline. He was in a parallel timeline. I think he's so, cheating. So he could go and kill himself if he wanted to, because he was two years old when he, like his, his, his quote-unquote real self would be two. He could have technically killed himself and still been fine because it was a parallel universe, not his own. Um, yeah, that's how he gets mm. around a lot of those things. I... Yeah. Mm. I call shenanigans. Yeah. 
I, I'm if inclined you, to agree. If you second my shenanigans, go get a broom, and we will storm the castle. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you guys have any suggestions, questions, comments, things like that, you can contact us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can email us, and our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again in the future really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks.com iPhone app is coming soon. Get access to our content in a new way. Articles, videos, and more, all on the go. Check out the latest podcasts and blog posts, and see what we're saying on Facebook and Twitter. Coming soon to iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 